You are listening to the Hill Country Bible Church Podcast. To learn more about Hill Country Bible Church, including our gathering times, visit us online at hcbc.com. Please enjoy today's message. Hey, well, good morning, everyone. My name is Eric, one of the pastors on staff. Glad you're with us, whether you're at one of our locations or online. Glad you're taking a part of your day to be here. Um, think about, for a moment, the last time you got poor customer service. Maybe you don't want to, but just humor me for a minute. We're going somewhere. The last time, like, you had some just, like, bad customer service. Just think about that for a second. Because some of you right now are thinking of the DMV. You know that place where you have everything you think you're supposed to have, and you stand in the line for an hour, hopefully they're going to call me up, and you get up to the counter and they say, like, oh, I'm sorry, you're supposed to have that in triplicate. <laughs> now you have to stand in that line, which was longer than the line you were just in. Like, Thank you. Um, maybe you thought of calling your phone company where as you call, the machine picks up and says, press one to talk to nobody. Press two to get into an infinite loop that spirals down where you just press buttons and actually never talk to somebody. You end up in the town of frustration, population you. Um, Maybe, maybe as you've thought about your poor customer service, it was more of a travel scenario and it looked something like this. Enjoy your flight, thanks. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry. We're only boarding rows nine and above right now. You'll have to wait. I'm in row eight. Please step aside, sir. It's just one row. Don't you think it's okay if I... We'll call your row momentarily. Step aside, sir. We'd like to continue boarding the aircraft now. We're now boarding all rows, please. All remaining rows. Hello. Enjoy your flight. If it wasn't so true. Um, Hey, if you work in the customer service uh, arena, thank you, seriously. Um, No offense. um, I see the people you have to deal with, and I I feel for you because they're like me. Um, But but here's, here's a deeper question. Here's a deeper question. Why is it that customer service is difficult? If you run a department, maybe you own a business or run something that deals with customers, you find it hard to build a culture of customer service and maintain it, don't you? Why? Well, I think if you dig at the answer to that, what you'll find is the same thing that I found, which is all of us would rather what? Be served or serve? Okay, just me. I'm the one who would rather be served because the truth is, It's natural to think about ourselves. 
No one had to coach you. You didn't have to take a class. We don't have to find a think tank somewhere to do a study and be like, do people think about themselves first? No, we all do it. Just watch toddlers play and you'll see it in action. The challenge is it takes God's help to think beyond ourselves. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that it's impossible for a person absent God helping them to, at times, think beyond themselves. That is possible. What I'm saying is that over time, consistently, like that's the life rhythm and selflessly, like we're not doing something for someone else because it also helps us, like that thing, like it really does take God's help to think beyond ourselves. Now, we've been in a series talking about our values. And what we've said each week is that our values are basic beliefs that guide and motivate our behavior. You see, what we tend to think is that our behavior, you know how it comes about? Because we're rational people and we make logical decisions and we have pro pro and con lists. And that's how we decide what our behavior and what we do. But actually, there's something different. There's something that's guiding and motivating that, and that's our beliefs that there's something underneath the surface, things that we believe about what life is about and what makes for happiness and who we are and where we're trying to go. And it's actually our beliefs that are driving our behavior, not as we like to think, oh, I'm just a wise person making sound decisions. Certainly that has a place, but beliefs are different. That's where our values lie. And so we've been looking at this issue because here's our challenge. Here's our challenge in life. What we tend to do is passively adopt the values of those around us. We see him or her conducting their career this way. We're like, oh, I should probably conduct my career that way. We see that family down the street do that kind of vacation and spend their money that way. And so that's what we end up doing. We see all the things that our our kids' friends are doing. And so we get them one of those and we take them to one of those and we make sure that they have one of those. And often we haven't thought about Like, what are the values that are driving our behavior? That's what we've been talking about. And as a church, we've looked at several. We've we've said in in week one that we're responding to God's word, that at a base, as, as God's people, as Hill Country Bible Church, it's God's word that we respond to. That's our guide. And then we engage in, we're engaging generations that we don't do what the culture tends to do, which is like, man, I'm tribal. I like my people. Everyone who listens to the same music that I listen to and thinks the new stuff is garbage and too loud and all the rest, like, I'm not going to do that. I am going to go all the way up and down, whoever God puts me. Like, it doesn't matter the generation. We're going to engage. And last week, we talked about celebrating life change. That God, who's a God of love and grace and is working in lives all around us, that when we see lives change, that we celebrate that. And here in a few minutes, you're going to get the chance to do just that. A little fair warning. But today we're we're going to be talking about thinking beyond ourselves. And here's how we say it here at Hill Country. That we are passionate about seeing the gospel saturate our families, our communities, and our world. We adapt ourselves to the needs around us, looking for opportunities to stretch ourselves, giving generously and yielding to God's desire to expand. That because the gospel is so important to us that we're going to take it far and wide, as far as God would have us take it. 
that we're going to adapt to the needs of others, that we're not just going to sit back, that we're going to be proactive in that, and that we're going to do things like stretch and give and yield. And this is what we're going to unpack in the balance of our time. And before we get there, maybe you're here and you're just checking Jesus out. Maybe you're wondering about the Bible and have some questions or maybe some doubts. And, and let me just tell you that like, this is a great Sunday and I'm glad you're here because what we're going to be talking about is universal. Because let's, let's just be honest. If you had the choice between going with a group of people that thought about themselves versus a group of people that thought beyond themselves, which group would you rather hang out with? The answer is obvious. So wouldn't it be nice like, just think about this for a second. If you and I had to influence more and more people, that you and I could be around people who could think beyond themselves and did that consistently, wouldn't that be a better place to live? Maybe it sounds like heaven. And for us, those of us that are Jesus followers, those of us who call Hill Country home, here's what we need to remember, that these values are who we are, that we have the Holy Spirit, that God has put us in a group of people, that this is who we want to be, this is what we want to do. But the reality is that we also have to grow in them. Right? It's not that like they're fully formed and we're just done like, oh, I totally think about myself and be on myself all the time. No, 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 that we still grow. So that's what we're going to do today. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to be as we look at, well, okay, so how do I? Like, if I want to think beyond myself, if we want to do that collectively, how do we do it? And here's the first truth that we're going to see. That if you and I are going to live this value out, that we have to be thinking beyond ourselves in such a way that it requires a cause beyond me. That to do it, that we have to have a cause beyond me. That there's got to be something that grips us. There's got to be something that grabs us. That we think is worthy enough to say, I am going to do that. I am going to think my, beyond myself because the cause I'm after is worth it. And that's what we're going to see in Mark chapter 10. So look at verse 32. That's where we're going to start. It says, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. Interesting thing when you read the Gospels, and just to give you a little context of where we're coming into Mark chapter 10, that in every Gospel there's a hinge point where Jesus goes from this itinerant preacher and teacher moving from town to town, doing a miracle here, doing a miracle there, gathering disciples, gathering followers, and there's a point at which his face gets set toward Jerusalem. That he knows it's now's the time. I'm going to head to the cross. He has been intentional the entire way, but there's a shift that happens, and it's time to go and complete what he's come to do. And that's where he is right now. There's a huge group of people following him. We don't know what the number, but he also has the 12 with them. And he pulls them aside and notice what he says. He says, we are going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And everything that Jesus just said will happen. 
He will go to Jerusalem and he will be betrayed. Judas will do that for 30 pieces of silver. He will be handed over in that betrayal to the religious leaders. And what they will do through, the, through a farce of a trial, condemn him to death, say you are a blasphemer and off with you. And they will deliver him to the Gentiles. And the Romans will take custody of him. And Pontius Pilate will declare that you are worthy of execution via crucifixion. And when Jesus is in the hands of the soldiers, he will be mocked. They'll put a robe on him of purple. They'll twist the crown of thorns and jam it into his skull. They'll spit on him. They'll flog him. And then they will kill him. And most people can go so far as to say, Jesus, yeah, he may have been a great teacher. Yeah, he may have done some miracles. Yeah, he may have experienced the things that he's talking about. But please notice that he is predicting the future and every one of these elements come to pass. How is that? Because Jesus is both fully man and what? Fully God. That in his incarnation, he's fully man. Why? Because it's a human debt that must be paid. And he's fully God. Why? Because only God could pull off a perfect sinless life and only God can forgive sin. And it's at this point where people have to make a decision. Man, am I going to be all in with Jesus or not? Am I going to believe, like, is, is he who he says he is? But then Jesus takes away all the back and forth in what he says next. Look back at your Bibles. Verse 34 ends with, then he will rise. Then he will rise. And in that moment, Jesus says, I'm going to do something and separate myself from every other person on the planet. That I'm going to predict my own resurrection and I'm going to pull it off. And the resurrection becomes for us, those who are followers of Jesus, it is the key point. It is the cornerstone around which the entire gospel hangs. Why? Because of what we say in our definition. That we are passionate about seeing what? The gospel. The center point of which is the resurrection. Well, what do we want to see with the gospel? We want to see it saturate what? Our families, our communities, and our world. We want to see the, 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 the gospel penetrate our hearts such that we live changed lives. If we're parents, just like we were talking about earlier in Milestones, penetrate the hearts of our kids. If we have parents that aren't believers, we want to see it penetrate them and on in concentric circles as far as God would take us. Why? Because we believe that the gospel is that important. And it's exactly what the Bible says. This is the Apostle Paul writing in 1 Corinthians. He said, for what I received, I passed on to you. Note the language of first importance. Paul, what would be of first importance? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And, and now he's going to pack in a bunch of reasons why he believes that Jesus didn't stay dead but walked out of the tomb. He says that he appeared to Cephas, that's the disciple Peter, and then to the 12, the other disciples. 
After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. This larger group of followers that Jesus had, there were 500 of them at one time. Jesus showed up after he was killed. He said, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared also, or to me also, as to one abnormally born. What Paul is saying is that this is of first importance, that the gospel, the centerpiece of which is the resurrection. And why is that so important? Because if that's true, if Jesus walked out of his grave like no one else has ever done in history, then everything else Jesus said about himself is true. Like what? He's the eternal son of God. That he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. That the only means by which we can return to the Father, have our sins forgiven, be adopted into God's family, is if Jesus does what he does. How do we know? The resurrection. And that's the cause for which we have something to think beyond ourselves. This is what C.S. Lewis said about this issue. He said, Christianity is, if false, is of no importance. If true, of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. It can't be moderately important. It can't be like what most people do with their, what did we say in our definition? That we are passionate to see the gospel spread. What we tend to do, right, is I'm passionate about my kids and I'm passionate about my career. I'm passionate about my relationships. I'm passionate about Jesus. I'm passionate about my grandkids. I'm passionate about our vacation. I'm passionate about my 401k. I'm passionate about my hobbies. I'm passionate about my sports teams. That can't be. They can't be all on the same level. There has to be one of first importance, and that's the gospel. Why? Because there is a God in heaven who loves you. There's a God in heaven who created all that you see, the heavens and the earth. He created mountains and beaches. He created every animal and he created you. Why? Because in eternity past, there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they lived in this perfect unity and love and life. And this is what they said. Let's make a family to join us in it. And they thought of you. They started with Adam and Eve. You know the story from the beginning of Genesis. And they had this perfect relationship in the garden. And how long did that last? Adam and Eve said, okay, yeah, this is great. But we think you're holding out on us, God. The same thing that we all say. They're like, God, like, I, I appreciate what you've done, but I'm going to call my own shots. I'm going to make some of the decisions on my own. And, and I think I know how to run my own life. Thank you very much. And that's called sin. And what happened when sin came in is it brought a separation, a separation between Adam and Eve and God such that they cannot be in the same presence. And it brought death, death physically and death spiritually. And because you and I are made of the same stuff, and if we were there, we would have done the same thing. That is the world into which we are born. It's why this place is a train wreck at times. 
but God. But God. God, because he had a plan that we weren't going to stay separated, that he turned back to us and he sent Jesus to be born of a woman, to take on flesh, to be the one, to live the life that we should have lived, to die the death that you and I deserved to die. Why? Because we did it. We're guilty. But Jesus said, for that man, for that woman, I'll be glad. I'll be glad to take their place. And on the cross, God pours out all his wrath, and Jesus becomes the atoning sacrifice for you and I, such that we can go home, that the Father can accept us back, and we can be reunited. And what was meant to be from even before he said, let there be light, that we could be back with the Father, whole and home, brothers and sisters, for eternity, that's the gospel. And that is the cause for which we, we think beyond ourselves. Because it's that important. The most important thing that's going on right now on the planet is the gospel. It is of first importance. It's not whatever level the NASDAQ is at. It's not whatever your team is going to do or not do this afternoon. The gospel. It's why we as Hill Country Bible Church, we talk about bless, B-L-E-S-S, begin with prayer, listen, eat with people, serve and share. Why? Because we want to take the gospel to as many people as we can. It's why we have small groups deployed all over the city to be little local pockets of gospel people who are sharing the gospel, seeing it spread to families and neighborhoods and far beyond. It's why we plant churches. It's why we launch locations. It's why we launch missionaries. Why? Because in Jesus, we have the best cause for which we can think beyond ourselves. That's what we get to do. That's why thinking beyond ourselves is the best part of being a part of what Jesus is doing in the world. But it doesn't end there. Not only do we have a cause beyond us that we get to dive into but there's a commitment that thinking beyond ourselves requires a commitment beyond me, a commitment beyond me. There's something that we get to do, we get to commit to that makes thinking beyond ourselves happen. Here's the next part of our definition. It says we adapt. We adapt ourselves to the needs around us. We're forward leaning. We're not sitting back waiting for the needs to come to us. We are looking for and pressing into those needs that come into view that we see in our daily life. Look back at, at Mark 10. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. Now, we don't know exactly how much time separates verse 34 from <laughs> verse 35. But Mark gives us a clue. What's the first word in verse 35? Then. It's as if Mark wants us to see that it was. It's as if the words are still like coming out of Jesus' mouth. They're hanging in the air. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to the cross. And James and John, yeah. Um, can I get a good position in this thing you got coming? 
what? Are you kidding me? Seriously, bro? Here's what, here's, what, here's what James and John got right. Their theology is solid. What I mean by that is in their question, here's what they believe. Jesus is going to be king and he is going to reign. The- theologically, they're good. What are they doing in the moment? Are they thinking beyond themselves or thinking about themselves? I think the only thing more amazing than how they operate in the moment is Jesus' response. Look at this. Verse 38. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. But these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Jesus is compassionate. He's kind. He's loving. Like if you watch, like if James and John were your two boys and they went up to Jesus and did this, how fast do you smack them beside the head? (laughs) You're reasonable people. That's what I'm doing. I'm a dad. There's no way I'm letting them get away with this. And yet, look at Jesus' response. You guys don't know what you're asking. And in fact, I don't even get to make that call. God the Father is going to make that call. Here's why this is so important. Are you perfect? Do you have a perfect record as it comes to thinking beyond yourself? Has it been hard for you? Have you stumbled along the way and found yourself actually more selfish than sometimes you would like to admit? Okay, don't raise your hand, just me. How, like if you were to see Jesus in that moment, how does he look at you? Does he sit there, arms crossed, like, Eric, for when are you going to? Like, how long, man? You know how Jesus looks at you? Compassionately, lovingly, kindly. Why? He knows this doesn't come easy. And he continues to ask you, hey, just take another step. Yeah, you stubbed your toe. Yeah, you thought about yourself more than beyond yourself. I want you to recommit. I want you to recommit to being the kind of person who adapts instead of being adapted to. And then there's verse 41. Check this out. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. You bet they did. Now, you guys didn't wake up this morning or weren't born this morning. Why are, why are the other 10 indignant with James and John? Why are they mad right now? Well, you know, James and John, they're being jerks. Like, I'd be mad too, they're being jerks. Eh. You know why I think they're indignant? Man, we can start asking for positions now? Man, whoa, 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 I want to be chief of staff. What's in the heart of the other 10 disciples? Me. I want to think about me too. Is that possible? Hey, Jesus, can you hook me up too? Do James and John want these positions? Because I just want to be in a better place of service, Jesus. That's all. 
I find it amazing, don't you? Jesus pours out his heart. He says, look, I'm about to die. And not one person goes, man, can we stop and pray? Like, that's hard. Like, no hug. They're like, hey, politicking for position. And here's the other blessing. This is so, this is so helpful for verse 4. If verse 41 was not in our Bibles, here's what we would do. We would go, ah, oh, you know what? I know guys like James and John. I got this guy who works with me. He's totally out for number one. Every time you turn around, he's trying to get another one up on everybody. Oh, my brother-in-law? You should see my brother-in-law. That guy's a royal jerk, ex just like these guys. But what happens because verse 41 is in there? <sighs> me too. Me too. Why? Because you and I live in a self-absorbed world. And it was no different 2,022 years ago. And what God is trying to do is to get us. Notice, notice how he, how he um, t- uh, titled it. Thinking beyond ourselves. Nowhere in here are we saying that you never, never think about yourself. No, of course. We have to think about ourselves. Self-care is appropriate, is it not? But what do we do? We just don't stay there. And we think beyond ourselves. Why? Because there's a world of difference between being self-aware and self-absorbed. Is there not? I want, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. This is Brian. His wife Gina, Luke, and uh, Levi. Brian's been a member of Hill Country Bible Church uh, a lot of years. And six, seven of them ago, he was in a season of life where he was largely checking the box. Right? He was going and doing the thing, maybe read his Bible, maybe pray, and he felt like God was trying to get a hold of him. He gets invited to this weekend retreat from Friday afternoon to Sunday evening. And it's one of those retreats where you have to hand your phone in at the beginning of it. And for those of you who just broke out in a cold sweat, it's possible to live without your phone. Um, but in, on this retreat, God got a hold of him. It's a lot of time, obviously, in the word, prayer, and then just in silence, trying to hear from God. And what he felt like he heard from God was the word prison, and he saw a picture of himself um, talking to guys in orange jumpsuits. He had never done prison ministry before, kind of felt odd, but kind of wrote down his journal, and, and off he went. But in the weeks that followed, this same picture and that same word, prison. Same picture, same word, prison. And so what he did is like, okay, God, I'm going to do something about it. And so he started serving at Polunsky Prison. you got to go four hours from here to north of Houston, and you'll find Polunsky. It's maximum security Texas State Penitentiary. It's where they have Texas's death row. And Brian started serving there. He was serving there so much, meaning he would get up at 3.45 on Wednesday mornings. He's got a full-time job. He's successful in business. Drive the four hours, serve at Polunsky and drive, all day and drive the four hours back. I know Brian's story because he reached out to me earlier this year. He's like, hey, Eric, I'm running into some ministry problems that maybe you can help me with. Because he had been there so much, he became a certified volunteer chaplain. He's got a badge. He can go wherever he wants, every once in a maximum security prison. And so we're talking. We're sitting across the table. He's like, yeah, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, 
yeah, like, here's what I would do. Here's, I mean, people are people. Imagine this. Like, it's not that different prison inside and outside because people are people. And he says to me, he goes, hey, Eric, um, why don't you come to me? I'll take you to death row. And I was like, huh. I'm busy that year. Um, <clears throat> and here's what I saw. I saw Victorious Living Church, two services every weekend. They are uh, a little over 600 men. It would be more, but the fire code at the room, the gym they're allowed to use limits it to that. Um, because of that, Brian is right now raising the money to build a chapel. They've already broken ground. They're building a chapel on the grounds of Polunsky Prison because a member of Hill Country Bible Church says, I'm going to adapt to the needs around me. You just celebrated life change. Nicely done. And I saw my brother ministering to men. It was the most amazing thing ever. I'm going to save some stories of what it was like going on death row. Because the warden at Polunsky has allowed all the believers to live in the same pod. And I will tell you that the king, they call it life row now. And when you talk to a man who has a death sentence, but he knows Jesus... It will blow your mind. But what happened? God got a hold of one guy. He said, Brian, I want you to think beyond yourself. You want to come? You, know, you, don't, you want to adapt to some other folks' needs? Look what I can do. And that's what you and I are invited to. And just think about it. Like how self-absorbed is our world right now? Like we have a thing where if you take your phone... Pointing at yourself, it's called a what? Selfie. Don't know why I went high on that. <laughs> how, how much countercultural would we be as a people if this was normative for us? Which a lot of you it is. And we'll get to that in a second. Here's the last truth that we run into in Mark's gospel. That thinking beyond ourselves requires a calling beyond me. A calling beyond me. Not only a cause, we have a cause. What is that? The gospel. The gospel is our cause. I'm willing to think beyond myself for the gospel. That we have a commitment. What's that commitment? Man, I'm going I'm to think beyond myself and adapt to the needs around me. And then we have a calling beyond me. And here's the last portion of our definition. That we are looking for opportunities to stretch ourselves, giving generously, and yielding to God's desire to expand. And when you see the word stretch there, please don't think that we have to stretch our schedules so that we can jam another activity in there because they're already stretched enough. No, what we mean by stretch is stretch spiritually. Stretch out of our comfort zone. Stretch courageously in the direction that God is leading us. When we say give generously, it doesn't just mean financially. Yes, that's a part of it, but also our talent and also our time. That all that we have is God's and we just give it back to him. That he's the one. Every day we have all the time we have, that's God's. 
And we just give it back. And then yielding to God's desire to expand. Like God really does want to take your life and expand it and take the gospel to the other lives that he's put around you. He does want to take Hill Country Bible Church and expand it. We are not a place where we just come because it's comfortable and we hang out with our friends and maybe we go to lunch after. That has a part, right? Please hear me. Fellowship has a part. It just doesn't end there. Why? Because God wants other people to hear the message that we have. Because it's the most important message on the planet. This is how the passage concludes. Look at verse 42. It says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. You know how they do it in the world? What you do is you don't think beyond yourself. You think about yourself. And the way you do that is you ascend in position. And so all the benefits and everything flows up towards you. And so you get the other people at the bottom to serve you. That's how the world does it. We're going to flip it around. Not so with you. Verse 43. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. You know how we're going to do it? We're going to take that paradigm and we're going to completely flip it on its head. And we're going to do in kingdom style is we're going to do it where you and I, we don't try to ascend the ladder. We push ourselves down in service. How do we do that? We stretch spiritually. We give generously. We yield to the places that God is having us go. And what, this is amazing. What does Jesus say? That's a great life. That's a great life. You know that thing inside of you? And everyone has it. Like, I want my life to matter. I want to make an impact. I don't want to, you know, just eat groceries and die someday. Jesus says, you know how you get there? Don't do it the world's way. With their value system, push yourself down in service. You be the greatest service. What's amazing, Jesus doesn't say, why do you guys want to be great? Stop it. Isn't that amazing? Like Jesus says, here, take that, take that, and be great this way. And then he says, and I love how this passage ends. He says, I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve. Serve. I'm going to go first, Jesus says. How are you going to serve, Jesus? I'm going to give my life as a ransom for many. I'm going to stretch, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to yield to the maximum extent. Do you want to come? 12, 13 years ago, uh, leadership of Hill Country, some other churches in the area, there were 10 of them, um, were looking at ways to, to really make an impact in the community. They got into a room with a bunch of ISD superintendents and they said, we have four problems we can't solve, one of which is third grade literacy. They said, why is third grade literacy a problem? Well, because um, from kindergarten through third grade, they're learning, you know, phonics and all the mechanics of reading. But a shift happens in the way that the system is set up that once you get to fourth grade, you actually need to know how to read because that's how you're going to learn going forward. So if you don't have that skill, you're at a real deficit in the fourth grade. So we need to get as many kids as possible 
uh, reading at grade level by the third grade. And they said, we don't know how, how to solve it. The 10 pastor says, we'll, we'll handle it. We had a local principal of an elementary school, member Hill Country Bible Church. That was our inn. Funny how God works like that. And what we did is we came up with Education Connection, and we sent what we call literacy partners out. People who, amazing, just read with kids on a regular basis, 30 minutes a day, one, maybe two times a week. And what started 12 years ago as one school, Nauman Elementary, has grown to 104 elementary schools in 11 school districts. And it's impacting family lives. Let's watch Christian, uh, Kristen's story. I was working as a receptionist at Nauman Elementary, and I noticed all these volunteers coming in that had education connection badges on and said there were literacy partners, you know, and then I started to learn about the program, that they were these people that were taking their time out of their day to go and read to kids. And my son, he was afraid to read in class. He wouldn't read out loud to his teacher. He wouldn't read out loud to us. He got set up with a reading buddy <laughs> almost immediately. Nine weeks into the program, his teacher told me that he will now read to her and doesn't shy away from it. My son is now in third grade. Um, and in the, the beginning of last year, he said, I love to read with them. And I said, yeah, you do? And he goes, yeah. And I remember one time I saw my reading buddy at church because we had come to Hill Country sporadically. And I said, you did? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I really want to start going back to church. And I was like, me too, bud. My, my husband heard that and it got us to start coming. When he saw the difference in our kids about these people from this church investing in our children, children they don't know, wasn't some, you know, some big event. It was just the simple notification of my son seeing someone that he's read with at the church. Finally, we realized that um, we were ready to take the next step in our journey with Christ, and we got baptized in July as a family, all five of us. He is now serving. Me and my children are serving, and now we're fully invested in home country as a church home. You just celebrated life change again. Man, love you guys. Um, it may not be Polunsky Prison. It may not be Education Connection. But if, if Education Connection kind of strikes a chord with you, at all the locations, there's going to be folks outside that would love to be able to answer questions, help you get plugged in, if that's what you feel like God is tugging at you about. One more point about reading with kids. Um, what book do we really want um, them to read? Ah, uh, isn't it amazing how God works? No one sits the bench. You have been gifted and wired by your Heavenly Father to make a difference. You've been called to make a difference. Again, it may not be a prison, it may not be in an elementary school, but it is something. It's something. 
Why? Because there's a day coming where you are going to stand with Jesus and you are going to review your life. And Jesus is going to show you, you thought beyond yourself here, you thought beyond yourself here, you thought beyond yourself here, and you're going to get to see the ripples of your one life sown, why? For the gospel. And you adapted to the needs around you and you stretched and you gave and you yielded and Jesus is going to go, look what happened. Like in the, in the short time that we have, we'll see like this much of it, but a thousand years from now, what your life could uh, measure up to? That's a great life. And that's how thinking beyond ourselves is how we get there. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your grace to us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that in him, um, you, Father, do really more than we can ask, see, or imagine. And so I pray for, for all of us that whatever it is for us, wherever we are going to yield to see you expand, I pray that you would do it. And I pray that every one of us would look forward to the day when we get to see what you did in us and through us by grace. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To hear other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at hcbc.com. And again, thanks for listening to the Hill Country Bible Church Podcast.